Let's pray. Uh, Father, as we come to you uh, in Jesus' name, Lord, we know how important it is, Lord, for us to hear you, uh, not only speak to the congregation, but to us as individuals. And I pray, God, that every time we're in your house, Lord, there would be at least one thing, Lord, that is like an arrow to our hearts. Because we know, God, that you've called us to grow in you uh, day by day and week by week. So bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you guys been hot? You know something? I never complain about hot days like this because in the middle of winter when it's cold and wet, I long for hot, sweaty days. So, yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I must say those guys are good. Neither Jenny and I seem to remember our anniversaries these days. But my wife's the one that never gets lost. She can go on a route once and 20 years later, she'll remember. And I'll never remember having ever been on the route. Anyway, awesome. <clears throat> Guys, I'm, um, I love this Wide Awake series. I really think it's a, a word from God, a word in season. And I'm going to speak about being wide awake to opportunities to speak life. Um, you know, when Paul um, wrote in Ephesians, it was 15 years after the church had been planted. And what had happened was the shine of brand new salvation uh, had passed. There was no shine left. And people were beginning to drift from that initial passion uh, and focus on Christ and His mission. And I want to tell you, we're all human. And it's so easy for church life to become mechanical. Um, we could almost do it in our sleep. And what concerned him was two things, sleep and death. Remember, he wasn't talking to the lost people. He was talking to the members of a really good church. Okay, this was a good church. Um, and what he does is he quotes um, from what the um, experts think was a well-known hymn or poem, uh, because there's a quote and it's not from Scripture. Uh, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that decision to wake up and rise from the dead is ours. God doesn't put a pin in our backside uh, so that we spring up. We hear God and we make that decision to wake up. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Comma, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So what he's saying is the medicine or the antidote or, or the whatever you want to call it, is actually taking every opportunity. The healthiest thing you and I can do is take the opportunities that God gives us. Amen. Now let's be honest, this is quite a challenge for all of us. Don't you agree that there are certain days when you wake up and you know within 10 minutes you're going to be grumpy. Uh, this is not going to be your best day. But you wake up every morning to the opportunities that God has prepared for us to make a difference through the power of the Holy Spirit is amazing. Do you know that there's not a day 
when God hasn't prepared something for us. So we, we exercise a choice. Either we follow God's lead or we say, well, I've got a bad day or I'm busy or whatever, whatever. And I try to think of some images of modern life. And the one I come is running fast on a treadmill. I don't know if we've got that photograph, if we could bring it up. It's up there, awesome. And sometimes I think life's like that. When we take the Lord out of the centre, when He's not the centre of our career or our relationships, we just seem to be going faster and faster. Would you agree? Certainly for those of us that are older, we can see how the pace increases. Um, And I think that if you think of a treadmill, you work hard, but you're not making progress. You're still staying on that treadmill. Um, And so I think that if you stay on that treadmill long enough, you're going to be exhausted. And there's uh, there's not energy for the things of God. Um, People used to talk a lot about time management. But then one brilliant speaker said, no, it's actually energy management, right? If you don't have energy, you're going to lie on your bed and you're going to look at your phone and mindlessly uh, look at social media because you don't have the energy and the strength and the passion. And I think what happens is that treadmill's going fast. You eventually get to a point where you can't keep up with it. Um, and lately, even this morning at church, somebody said to me, everything is going wrong in my life. Things start to go wrong. That career, that business that you thought you were going to make breakthrough after breakthrough. We're living in a crazy world where things happen. Um, relationships. You thought that marriage would last forever. Um, stuff happens. Those beautiful little kids are no longer your friends. And, and things just get complicated. Um, I want to tell you a story. Many years ago, I was on the treadmill and I was younger and I was moving it. I was in this fast rhythm on this treadmill. And I decided that I was going to pray. And what happened to me? I got lost in prayer. The key word is lost. I must have slowed down because this thing spat me out. And I went shooting back and I hit a lady and we both (laughs) ended up on our backs. Guys, if you're on that treadmill, it's going to spit you out. (laughs) You, You need to move over and take opportunities. Then guys, there's another bunch. Um, those who decide, whoa, whoa, this is too complicated. I'm going to drift and jaw. Like, you know what? I'm young enough. I need to, I need to have lots of parties. Um, and yes, it, it's good to have fun. It's good to laugh. But I've got a photograph there of Jim. And this is one of my pet dislikes is people who come to Jim just to yak. It's like crazy. I'm thinking, what are you doing here? Are you picking up girls? Are you finding guys? Are you, what do you really? I mean, you look around and you, listen, and they haven't moved and it's just talking and chatting. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, but you know what that speaks to me of? Um, where there's no longer a keen awareness of your destiny. Um, that whilst you still have breath, grab the opportunities to exercise faith 
and do things that will make a difference in life. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying life is frantic, that you're just saying, oh my word, I'm just relaxing and I shouldn't be relaxing. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying everything about your life is lacking purpose. Okay. But you know that once once the year gets going, we wake up tired, don't we, in the morning, and you can collapse into bed at night after basically cramming too much in your day. Um, uh, I've, got, I've got a photograph there of, you know, you wake up and you, that alarm's going off. I don't, how many of you are morning people? I think that's disgusting. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and you know that picture of those smiling people at gym? How the heck do you get up at half past four and go to gym at five in the morning? I've never done that, but I'm sure nobody smiles. I mean, it must be pure torture. Um, yeah, no, I think that's from the devil. So <laughs> that's just my opinion, by the way. Paul said, as I, I, Paul, speak of if, to the, old, the uh, King James. Uh, I'm telling you, I don't, I, I don't think it's good getting up early. But actually, no, Jesus got up early. Hey, whoa, I'm getting myself into trouble. Okay, let's move on. I love the challenge that was put out by the late Zig Ziglar. Not many of you would know Zig Ziglar. I know he came to, um, I think he came to Durban or Cape Town a few times. And he said this, he's passed on quite a while ago. This morning, did you wake up to an alarm clock or an opportunity clock? Um, and, and I know that I've been trying to work harder at seeing every day as an opportunity day. Um, yes, I mean, I'm not going to raise the dead every day and like, whoo, uh, lead hundreds of people to the Lord. Um, but there are things that I believe God has prepared for us. But we have to wake up and saying, God, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. And I've known that whenever I've said, God, I'm available for your opportunity, something happens. There's somebody that I will end up talking to or on the phone. Opportunities are like stacked up in God's plan. And I I just think it's so important. Okay, so tonight we're going to briefly focus on being wide awake to opportunities to speak words from God that contain miraculous power to change lives and circumstances. There is such a thing as speaking life that brings change. And it's not just for pastors and church leaders. We're in the church age, we're all priests. The Bible says we're all part of the priesthood. We can speak life. And I'm going to read from Ezekiel 37. Now, now this describes a very strange apocalyptic kind of scenario. I must say, I don't like those, those movies. I think after a busy day, I like to a feel good movie. So these, like there's lots of these apocalyptic weird movies. So I've got a, a lovely photograph up there. We can have the next one of the, the, the bones. We can have the dry bones. Yeah. That, yeah. So God takes Ezekiel and drops him into a valley where there was a massive battle and a lot of people were killed and their bodies were left. And all the flesh rotted off, all the sinews, all the organs. And all that was left was dry bones, very dry bones, Scripture tells us. And 
In the primary sense, God is referring to Israel and Judah. They disobeyed God. God had warned them a hundred times, if not a thousand times. And their country was destroyed. Jerusalem um, was raised to the ground, the temple. Uh, people were killed. Most of the people were killed. The remainder were taken captive and in chains. And they lost all hope of ever returning to their homeland. They could not imagine there ever being a future. And they had moved away from God. Um, and I think a lot of people believed that God had rejected them. Maybe God was dead. Or perhaps He never ever existed. It's interesting how we see in our population people moving away from believing that God even exists. Um, so let me read it to you from Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was on me. God, that's quite, guys, that's quite important. And He brought to me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth. Guys, this must have been like, okay, God, I've seen it. Like, I've, this is weird, it's eerie. Back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you, cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. I'm assuming God put clothes on them. Otherwise, that would have been just like weird. So these guys are lying there. They've come back together. All the bones that have been scattered by the wind, God brings them together, forms bodies. Um, so now it's crazy. These, they're lying there. There's no breath. Then He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Remember that the word breath is the same word in Greek and Hebrew for the word spirit. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as He commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. All the biblical experts say that obviously this applied to the incredible miracle Firstly, where the Persian king sent them back to rebuild their land. And then it's the coming of Christ. And lastly, to the end times, uh, when the book of Revelation and Daniel speak about an amazing uh, situation where uh, many people will come to Christ. So guys, there's, a, there's several timeless and relevant principles, I believe, in this passage. I have a sense that this is a word from the Lord for us. Okay, amen. Firstly, when God places His hand on us, 
He will always bring us up, out, and down. We have a tendency, especially over the years, to come to Christ, make really good friends, and live in our Christian friendship circle. Guys, the Word of God speaks about friendship. Friendship is the way that we reach people. But God's not calling us to an inward friendship. You guys with me? So He will always take you up and move you out and drop you in the middle of dry bones. <laughs> That's what God does. Any church that is relevant in its community is a church that allows God to drop us into the middle of dry bones. There is, where there is death everywhere. You know what? It could be a family that has been in generational darkness. It could be a workplace or a school that is so far from God where every value that is, that is driven in that workplace is not of God. There could be a community, a suburb that's turned away from God. But you know, when God gives us His heart, He gives us a deep sense of lostness and of spiritual death. I've spoken to Christians and I've said, what, per what percentage of our communities do you think are serving God? I remember when we started Tigerberg Hills, um, Dina, Chikatilo and I, we went up and down the whole area and I found out, I think it was 160,000 people lived. We just kind of drew like a circle around the area. And you know, there were about four or five little churches. And it got me thinking, are there really more than two or three or four percent of every community that's serving God? I don't know. I just know that it's a hang of a lot smaller than we, we would ever think. So many people are lost. And do you, do you know what he wanted Ezekiel to do? To take ownership. 6 p.m. service, have you take ownership? Or are you just attending? It's great. Have a cup of coffee with some friends, go home. God wants us to move from attending to being engaged and then to being missional. Are we inviting friends to church? Friends who are far from God because we believe that dry bones can live. Amen. So first thing, Know that when God puts His hand on us, He is going to bring us out and into the community where people are lost. Secondly, God asks a crucial faith question. I've realized this, that churches determine their success and failure and their generational growth by answering this question, can these bones come back to life? I've heard so many leaders and church people say, our area is so hard. People are godless. People don't want to come to church. People don't want to come to view group. People don't want to serve God. Absolutely. Absolutely. We live in a valley of dry bones. But the question is, can these bones live? Do you know that every Sunday we ask that question? We ask it every Sunday. Do you see any potential in death? That's a hard question. You know what, it was too hard for Ezekiel because God had taken him up and down and up and down. And you might, you might say, 
Listen, there's way too much darkness. There's way too much death. The question is, is it ever too late for God? (laughs) Is there somebody that's far away from God so far that they can never come back? It's a question we've got to ask. You know that we can love God, we can worship Him, we can pray, and we can read the Bible and yet not have faith for life to come into dead bones. You might have no faith for salvation. Do you know when you don't believe that God can give life to dead bones, you will never invite someone to the house of God. You're just never going to do it because you're going to believe it's just going to be a mess. They're going to be offended. They're not going to give their life to Christ. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe that God can bring life to dead bones. Do you believe that there's potential in death? A very good friend of mine, at, uh, well, at school, he, well, I've never seen anybody so bad. Uh, the headmaster wanted to expel him. And those days you gave cuts, he made all the juniors stand up in school and look at him. He said, if I see you talk to him, I'll give you six cuts. And the headmaster would have done that. I mean, that's the way... It was. And you know, his brother was a minister and he kept saying, I believe, I'm speaking love, that me and my whole household will come to God. And he prayed. And I tell you, this guy was gloriously saved. All these years later, he's involved in his church because his brother continued to speak life into the situation. If we're going to have an effective ministry and service in a life-altering, community-changing way, we've got to find the right answer to the question. But you know what Ezekiel did? He referred it back to God. He said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. That wasn't the answer God wanted. I got you know. I don't know. God says, I corner. We're going we're gonna to do it the right way. So he asked the question, but you know what, how the, what God said to him next requires us to recognize that we always live in divine partnership with God. I know that sounds a big word. God can do anything, but He chooses to act in partnership with us. And He requires us to speak life, to dry bones. He said, this is what I want you to say. Dry bones, hear the Word of the Lord. Dry bones, listen to God's Word. Crazy, isn't it? You see, only a deluded lunatic or a faithful servant of God would ever attempt to restore a scattered pile of bones into a functional body with skin, sinews, organs, muscles, and flesh. Our part of the partnership is to speak life. God's part is to perform the miracle. Right? You guys with me tonight? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing the Word of the Lord? Do you know the, there was a Roman centurion um, who, who kind of was, was, was captivated by Jesus and, and came to God. And he had a servant who was dying. And um, he had really helped the local Jewish people that helped build the synagogue. And so they all came to Jesus and said, his servant's dying. Please go to his house and heal the servant. 
So Jesus actually said, yes, I'll go. And then this guy came up to Jesus and said to him, please don't come to my house. Speak the word only from where you are and my servant will be healed. And it was very interesting because Jesus said he had never seen such faith in all of Israel. This man said, I understand authority. You're under the authority of God. All you need to do is speak the word. Very interesting. The last words that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven, all authority has been given to me. I'm now giving it to you. You and I have authority to speak to dry bones. Amen. You with me? Very interesting, guys. Listen to this. God has blessed us with the power to give life by two means, biologically and verbally. So from primary school, the teachers tell you how it happens to give human life. Amen. You have the sex talk. Crazy, right? You have they give it in primary school. So everybody knows how to make babies, how to give life. My question is, do we understand that our words can give life? The power of our words. And we know Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Andre spoke about that at length this morning. We always eat the fruit of our words. Right? Can you guys with me? So we know how to make babies. Do we know how to make spiritual babies? By the words of our mouth. Awesome, isn't it? So then we move on. Guys, you've got to understand establishing new life is a process. As the Americans would say, a process that requires us to speak life on an ongoing basis. When you have a child you spend your whole life repeating good words, don't you? Please say thank you. You don't ever have to teach a child to say, give me, huh? can I have more I want? But it can take forever to teach that child to say thank you, right? Are you guys still saying thank you? Learn to say thank you to your mom. Thank you, mom, for that lunch. Thank you for that awesome supper. So it's a, it's a process. That's what Jesus calls discipleship. Do you know how we disciple? On Sunday night in view group and by working in dream team. Are you a part of those three? Are you being discipled? And an interesting thing, what God said to Ezekiel, say, speak the words that I give you. And what's so amazing is we now have the Bible in Scripture. We learn words for the gospel message. We learn God's promises, encouragement, and words of challenge that shape character. You know what Paul said to Timothy? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to ask you, do you understand that there is life in correction? I, when I was young, all we learned about was looking for the promise. Find a promise from God. I need a promise. But you know what? Maybe we need correction. 
Guys, the correction of God's Word is way more powerful because it shapes your character for the ministry that God has for you. Okay, so two, two, there were two processes here. I'm coming, I'm coming to an end. We'll speak with the lovely music behind us. Amen. Awesome. Okay. Firstly, Ezekiel spoke to the bones and bodies were formed. Okay, we agree. No lie. So I want to tell you that in our church process, we establish a life-giving environment, a welcoming culture, an invitation culture, where people can be exposed to our connection, our fellowship, our worship, and the Word of God. We're always welcoming. And you know what that is? That's an environment in which bones can come to life. So I want to encourage you, invite people to the house of God. Invite them to your view group, to an interest group, if you have an interest group. Because that's where it starts with most people. Is this environment inviting? Is it welcoming? So I want to say this, we don't, we don't mind how many times you come to God's house. We're just trusting that the Holy Spirit will put breath in you. Because <laughs> that's the second part. The day that comes when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. So guys, you know what he said to Ezekiel next? He said, speak to the Spirit. First of all, speak to the bones, then speak to God's Holy Spirit. Guys, there's nothing more important than our partnership with the Holy Spirit. If you're inviting someone to church or you're speaking to someone, why don't you speak in tongues? The Bible speaks about speaking in tongues. Our pre-service prayer is so important. Amen, you guys with me? So guys, um, what happened was when the Holy Spirit entered these people, they stood up as a vast army. Can I tell you, we're called to take ground. We're, told, we're called to win this community for God. And, and that's why everything in our church is invitational and multiplication. See, when God's Spirit moves, we're willing to multiply our few groups, right? Because there's a, there's a power, there's an explosion of life. We're an army and we realize that we reach people through that. Got a picture there of an army in the desert. Guys, I'll tell you how I want to conclude this message. You see, Ezekiel was told to prophesy. Now, when the, I believe that the church has been called to be prophetic, what does that mean? It means we are aware of the drift amongst Christians towards spiritual sleep. Are you aware of it? It's crazy how friends can stop coming to church or missing view group and we're not even aware that something's wrong. Guys, when we're prophetic, we're aware, we pray, we phone, we have coffee with people. We're aware that there can be a spiritual sleep that ends up in a mechanical Christianity that's devoid of power. We also have a deep sense of the lostness. Guys, do you know that your really nice un non-Christian friend is not going to go to heaven 
if he dies in a car accident. Now the Bible says there's only one way to God and that's Jesus. Are we aware of that? Are we aware that of our parents having given their lives to Christ? Our children, our siblings, our friends. Guys, we need to have an awareness of how devastating lostness will be. Then a prophetic person sees potential in death. We know that God has a new and a better way. That there's light at the end of the tunnel. That if you give your life to Jesus, hundreds of promises become yours. And that God causes all things to work together for good. For those that are called according to His purpose and love Him. Prophetic living is to know that most of what God does on earth happens through inspired people who choose to speak life and to act with faith and hope and purpose. A prophetic person believes in the power of words, right words, true words, encouraging words, motivating words, challenging words that can bring new life to individuals and to families and to communities. Let's stand. Can we stand, church? Because, guys, we, we're honouring the God who has called us into partnership. Isn't it amazing that we have the power to speak life? Guys, let's start speaking life into darkness. Why don't we start praying for people at work and at school? I remember before I left law, we started a prayer meeting. We established a bridgehead. We started inviting people to the house of God. We, we believed that we could win that place for God. There was a, we had an outreach in Durban. I come from Durban where dozens and hundreds of attorneys got saved. And people said, how can you be an attorney and a Christian? I was asked that so many times. Ha, ha, ha. Guys, what do you see in your workplace, in your school? Do you see that there's, you have a calling to speak to dry bones? Do you? Your family. Have you, given, have you given up on your family? Guys, this is, this is important. I feel that some of us are still asleep. I know it's a hot night. I want you to agree with God that you're going to waken. <laughs> you have to make that decision. I can't make it for you. So two things. The first thing I want to speak is to death. Are you spiritually dead? You say, Grandma, I don't have a relationship with God. But you'd actually like the Holy Spirit to come live inside of you. You, you want to receive all the promises. You, you, you don't want to live on a treadmill. You don't want to be living without purpose. That's the first group I want to speak to. Then I want to pray for all of us who have been distracted. You know what the biggest distraction I think is relational breakdown, heartache, hurt in the family to start with and then out there in the community, maybe at the workplace, maybe you, you're passed over promotion, maybe you can't find a job 
I promise you, God sorts all those things out. Amen? And you can speak, we can speak life into your situation. So my first question, is there anyone here? I know that's been quite a straight message, but I want to speak to dry bones. Come on, anyone here? You say, Graham, I, I, need, my, I need my bones to come back together. I want to give my life to Jesus. But I hate but Just raise your hand and say, Graham, that's me. I'll tell you what, it takes a decision character saying yes to Jesus. Is there anyone here today saying this is actually the, my day of salvation? Thank you. There's a hand. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Remember, I'm not asking you to join or leave a church because religion, guys, don't be religious. I'm saying that personal relation with Jesus where all the change you need in your life comes from the Holy Spirit when you give your heart to Jesus. Anyone else? Come on, man. I think it's the most awesome moment. I remember the day I gave my life to Christ. It was indeed a great day. Thank you. Put your hand up. I'm not asking you to take casserole. We used to have casserole when I was a kid. I'm not asking you to drink medicine. I'm not asking you to end your life. I'm asking you to receive life. Is anybody else? Come on. I'm not just, I just want to pray for you in general. Put your hand up. Put it down. St. Graham, I need change. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. We got three heads. Anybody else? Anyone else? Anybody else? I want to pray for you. Thank you. They're at the back. Come on, man. This is thank you there. This is this is a great moment. This is victory. This, this is going to change your life. Anybody else? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you that you love me so much that you sent your one and only Son to come to earth as a human being, to live a holy life and to die on the cross for me. I thank you that you accepted His blood sacrifice as a penalty for my sins. Please forgive me and come and live inside of my life. I receive your life and I promise God that to the best of my ability I will speak life into other people. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Oh, oh, Amen. Then guys, second prayer. Anybody asleep and you want God to waken you up? Anyone? Are we all wide awake? Oh, wide away. Okay. <laughs> Come on, let's just honor Graham. Let's just thank him. Awesome. You guys take your seats quickly. Of course, so that's, of course, our vision series for the rest of the month, Wide Awake. And our question is, what on earth am I doing for heaven's sake? And um, Graham, um, when he came here to the church, him and Jenny, they actually came here um, to uh, to work with street kids, highway home. And, and um, then Graham came into this church. And there were about 60 to 80 people. And uh, he was the first guy in our movement. In about 94, you hired youth pastors, never been seen in our movement. And 
and then uh, Paul Van Collar would come and he'd be my uh, rugby coach and we were seriously dry bones <laughs> in that school. But um, just even uh, what happened, a whole bunch of us got saved. Over a, well, about 150 of my matric class came front end. We just came for the coffee and the girls and then uh, we just stayed and we just kept hearing the gospel and, and we never realized that God was waking us up and, and that so much would come of, of the waking up and, and just what they were doing and, and the, what they were speaking. And, and since then, just you think about uh, Paul Marinette now, 20,000 people in, in Zambia, hospitals, orphanages. Um, who would have known um, that just speaking life, uh, bringing the gospel would just lead to so much change. And, and yeah, so I just think again, just that call to wake up and to see that God's going to give you opportunity to speak life, to pray for your neighbor, to pray for your work colleague, uh, to really believe for an awakening of purpose, of, of um, coming back to original purpose. Um, God designed them and He knows why He made them. So I just think we need to hear that. And um, of course, I do believe attorneys go to heaven. Um, I don't know if you guys know about the uh, attorney goes to heaven. Um, he has like priests and one Pope next to him and they all get taken. They first get their houses. The one Pope gets like the small house, the priest the small house. And the attorney thinks, oh my head, I'm going to be living like in a tent. Like, look, like these guys are men of God and they take this attorney in and they show him this mansion and he's blown away he's like how the heck you know that's a priest and a pope how, why did I get a mansion they said listen we've got many priests we've got many popes but you're the first attorney we've ever had anyway so um <laughs> Um, and let's see, I know when attorneys get buried, I don't know if you guys know, they actually dig, dig them and they bury them 12 feet under uh, because attorneys, deep down, they're really good people. Anyway, uh, these are bad jokes. I've just got... <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. And Graham's my father-in-law, so I mean, I can do this. I think. Anyway, no, um, but but let's, um, we want to encourage you to, to come along the journey. Uh, we believe God's really going to wake you up. I think you're going to go to work differently. You're going to start to speak life. You're going to start to see the miraculous, and and you will start to see. Um, you, I believe God's going to invite you to to believe for the miraculous in in dead areas. People who you think were so too far from God, um, and and you're going to be able to start to pray and speak life, and 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 God's going to do something incredible. Uh, remember, you can use that uh, QR scanning code on the little uh, form. You can use a WhatsApp number to get involved in View Group, or you can go to our um, our next steps area, which it says I love View Groups. And for me, uh, it's in View Group where uh, when I was 19, people actually said, you know, I think God's called you to leadership. I thought they were they were like smoking something. I'm like, yeah, bro. You speak the wrong guy. But I never realized that in my view group, God was already using people to speak um, into my dry bones in a way because I didn't believe for it. And and view groups that place where we believe you'll experience everything that God's got for you because God really uses people to bring freedom into your life. So I encourage you, get into a view group that you can learn a row, but you're really going to grow in a circle. So I encourage you to go on that journey. Have an awesome time. Remember, the reason we did Valentine's Sunday is to give the guys a chance to remember that Wednesday is Valentine's Day so that you don't get in trouble. Okay, bless you guys. Cheers. Cheers.